Chapter Seventeen of The Mystery Girl by Carolyn Wells. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Seventeen Planning an Elopement. There was some sort of telepathy or some subconscious impulse that made Anita Austin open her bedroom door in response to a light tap, although she had resolved to talk to nobody just then. But when she saw Gordon Lockwood, she was glad she had, and, without waiting for an invitation, he stepped inside the room and closed the door. He looked at her with a face full of compassion and love, but he spoke as one who must attend to an important business. "'Anita,' he said, speaking very low, "'the crisis has come. They have learned of the check Dr. Waring gave you that night.' and it is the last straw. Stone is already, I think, convinced of your guilt, and that young chap, McGuire, will get at the bottom of everything, I'm sure. Check? What do you mean? Miss Mystery said, with a blank look on her face. Don't equivocate with me, dear, Lockwood laid his hand gently on hers. There's no time now to tell you of my love, as I want to tell it. Now we can only assume that it is all told, that we are engaged, and that we are to be married at once. We are going to elope, Anita. Elope? She stared at him, but her eyes grew soft, and her pale cheeks flushed. What do you mean? It isn't a pretty word, Gordon smiled. But it's the only thing to do, you see. If you stay here, you'll be arrested. If you go, I go with you. So we both go, and that makes it an elopement. But, Gordon... But, Anita, answer me just one question. Do you love me? Yes, with an adorable upward glance and smile. More than you love Dr. Waring? Their eyes met. Lockwood's usually inscrutable face was desperately eager, and his deep eyes showed smoldering passion. He held her by the shoulders. He looked steadily at her, awaiting her answer. "'Yes,' she said at last, her lovely lips quivering. "'That's all I want to know,' he whispered triumphantly, as he kissed the scarlet lips and drew the slender form into his embrace. "'You must know more,' she began. "'And—and and I can't tell you. Oh, Gordon!' She hid her face on his broad shoulder, and he gently stroked her hair as he said, "'Don't tell me anything now, dearest. Don't ever tell me, unless you choose. And anyway, I know it all. I know you had never known the doctor before, and I'll tell you how I know.' I found in his scrap-basket a note to you. A note to me? Fresh terror showed in the dark eyes. Yes, don't mind. No one else ever saw it. I burned it. But it said, Darling Anita, since you came into my life, life is worth living. Or something like that. When, when did he write that? Sometime on that fatal Sunday. I suppose after he met you in the afternoon, and before you came that evening, 
Remember, sweetheart, if ever you want to tell me all about that late visit to him, do so. But if not, I shall never ask or expect you to. But that's all in the future, our dear future, which we shall spend together. Together, Anita. Are you glad? Oh, so glad. And the soft arms crept around his neck, and Miss Mystery gave him a kiss that thrilled his very soul. Will you take care of me, Gordon? Take care of you, my little love? Take care of you, is it? Just give me the chance. You seem to have a pretty big chance right now. A smiling face reached up to his. But, she seemed suddenly to recollect something, about a check. He didn't give me a check. Lockwood laid a hand over her mouth. Hush, dearest. Don't tell me things that aren't, aren't so. I saw the stub, a check for $10,000, made out to Anita Austin and dated that very Sunday. Now hush. As she began to speak, we've no time to talk these things over. I tell you, the police are on your track. They will come here. They will arrest you. Try to get that in your head. I am going to save you, first for your own sweet sake, and also for my own. But, Gordon, wait a minute. Do you believe I killed John Waring? Lockwood looked at her. Don't ask me that, Anita. And, truly, I don't know whether I believe it or not. I know you have told falsehoods. I know you were there that night. I know of his letter to you of the check and of the ruby pin and the money. But I... no, I do not know that you killed him. There are many other theories possible. There's Nogi. But, my darling, it all makes no difference. I love you. I want you, whatever the circumstances or conditions of your life or your deeds. I love you so that I want you even if you are a criminal, for in that case... I want to protect and save you. Now, don't tell me you did or didn't kill the man, for, he gave her a whimsical smile, I couldn't believe you in either case. I've not much opinion of your veracity, and, too, it's too big a matter to talk about now. Of course, I don't believe you killed him, you, my little love, and yet the evidence is so overpowering that I believe you did kill him. There, how's that for a platform? Now, let all those things be and get ready to go away with me. I tell you we're going to elope, and mighty quickly, too. The difficulty is to get away unseen. But it must be done. Pack a small handbag, a very small one. I'll plan your way out. And if we can make a getaway under the noses of Stone and his boy, we'll soon be all right. I've a friend who will motor us to a nearby town, where a dear old minister, who has known and loved me from boyhood, will marry us. Doesn't he know about... about me? My little girl, leave all the details of this thing to me. Don't bother your lovely head about it. 
It'll be all right, trust me, if we can escape. Is it right for me to go? Oughtn't I stay and, what do they call it, give myself up? Anita, if I didn't love you so, I'd scold you hard. Now, you obey your future lord and master and get ready for a hurry-up wedding. I'm sorry that you can't have bridesmaids and choir boys, but you'll pardon me, I know, if I remind you that that isn't my fault. Miss Mystery looked up and broke into laughter. Truly, she was a mystery. Her gaiety was as spontaneous and merry as if she had never heard of crime or tragedy. Lockwood gazed at her curiously, and then nodded his handsome head as he said, "'You'll do, Anita. You're a little bit of all right.' But in a moment her mood changed. "'Gordon, we can't,' she said slowly. "'We never can get away from this house, let alone the detectives. Miss Bascom is on continual watch, and Mrs. Adams—' I know, dear. That's it. I thought if you could manage that part, I'd see to evading the stone faction. Can't you think up a plan? Love will find a way, she whispered, and, unable to resist the inviting smile, Gordon again caught her in his arms and held her close in an ecstasy of possession. You are so sweet, he murmured, with an air of saying something important. Oh, my little girl, how I love you! The moment I first saw you... When was that? That night at, at the doctor's lectures. I sat behind you, I changed my seat to do so, and I counted the buttons on your dear little gray frock. That was one way I discovered your presence in the study that night. He spoke gravely now. And there was another way. I heard you talking. Yes, I heard your blessed voice. Remember, I loved you then, and I heard Waring talking to you. I could make out no word. I didn't try. But now I wish I had, for it might help you. I wish you had, Gordon, she returned solemnly. It would have helped me. But you can tell me, dear, tell me all the conversation. Surely you trust me now. I trust you, but, oh, as you say, there's no time. It's a long story, a dreadful story. I don't want to tell you. Then you shan't. I've promised you that, you know. Not until you want to tell me will I ask for a word of it. Now, here's another thing, and Anita blushed deeply. If we go away, as you say... What about, about money? Lockwood stared at her. I have money, he said. Why do you ask that? But, but the awful detective people said you, you were terribly in debt. Brave little girl to say that. I know you hated to. Well, my darling, those precious bills that those precious detectives dug up in my desk our old bills that were owned by my father. His name was the same as mine. The same as yours? How queer. Oh, not a unique instance. 
Anyway, those bills I am paying off as I can. I'm not legally responsible for them, but I want to clear my dad's name and all that. Now, all that can wait, while I take unto me a wife and arrange for her comfort and convenience. But is there... Now remember, I'm not prying. Is there anyone whose permission you must ask to marry me? No, I'm twenty-one. That's of age in any state. Why, you aged person! I deemed you about eighteen. Do you mind? No, you goosey. But your mother now? Oh, my mother, she doesn't care what I do. And your father? Uh, forgive me, but I have to ask. My father is dead. Then come along. Let's begin to get ready to go. Wait a minute, Gordon. To get married, must I... must I tell my real name? His eyes clouded a trifle. Yes, dear heart, he said very gently. Yes, you must. Then I can't get married, Gordon. Miss Mystery sat down and folded her little hands in her lap her whole attitude that of utter despair. "'But, sweetheart, no one need know except the minister and witnesses.' "'And you?' "'Yes, and I.' "'Oh, I can't marry you anyway. I can't marry anybody. I can't tell who I am. Oh, let them take me away, let them arrest me, and I hope they'll convict me, and... "'Hush, my precious girl, hush!' Lockwood took her in his arms and let her stifle her sobs on his breast. He was bewildered. What was the truth about this strange child? For in her abandonment of grief Anita seemed a very child, a tortured, irresponsible soul whose only haven was in the arms now around her. "'You will go with me anyway, Anita,' he said with an air of authority. I must take care of you. We will go as I planned. The minister I told you of is a great and good man. He will advise you. Oh, no, I don't want to talk to a minister. Yes, you do, and his wife is a dear good woman. They will take you into their hearts and home, and then we can all decide what to do. At any rate, you must get away from here. Come now, pack your bag. And would you mind, Anita, if I ask you not to take the... the money and the ruby pin? But he gave them to me. I tell you, Gordon, John Waring gave me those of his own free will. Because of his affection for you? Yes, for no other reason. I will keep the pin anyway. I will. Anita, have you any idea how you puzzle me? How you torture me? Well, take what you like. Will you get ready now, and I will let you know as soon as I can how and when we can start. A loud rap was followed by an immediate opening of the door, and Mrs. Adams came into the room. She stared at Lockwood, but made no comment on his presence there. "'Miss Austin,' she began, 
I do not wish you to stay in my house any longer. I have kept you until now because my husband was so sorry for you and refused to turn you out. Nor am I turning you out, but I wish you would leave us alone, Mr. Lockwood. Gordon started to speak, but Anita interrupted him. Go, please, she said quietly, and Lockwood obeyed. I cannot blame you, Mrs. Adams, Miss Mystery said. I dare say you have to consider your other boarders, and I thank you for your kindness and forbearance you have shown me so far. The tears were in the big dark eyes, and even as they moved Mrs. Adams to sympathy, she also wondered if they were real. A girl who would redden her lips would be capable of any deceit and duplicity, Esther Adams reasoned. But she went on calmly. I come now, Miss Austin, to tell you that Mr. Trask is downstairs and wants to see you. He wants you to go to his house to stay. The Paytons are there, of course, and he offers you the shelter of his roof and protection until this dreadful matter is settled up. Mr. Trask? Anita looked her amazement. Yes, now don't be silly. You very well know he is mad about you, and he hopes to get you freed and then marry you. Oh, he does. It was the old, scornful Miss Mystery who spoke. Well, will you please tell him from me? Now, don't you be too hoity-toity, miss. You're mighty lucky to have a home offered you. Yes, that's quite true. Well, Mrs. Adams, will you go down then and say I'll be down in a moment or two? Give me time to freshen my appearance a bit. Yes, with paints and powders and cosmetics, Esther Adams grumbled to herself as she went down the stairs. As a matter of fact, she quite misjudged the girl. Very rarely did Anita resort to artificial aid of that sort, but when she so desired, she used it as she would any other personal adornment. "'She's coming down,' Mrs. Adams announced, as she returned to Trask, and they waited. But when the minutes grew to a quarter of an hour, and then nearly to a half, Mrs. Adams again climbed the stairs to hasten proceedings. This time she found the room empty. The absence, too, of brushes and combs, the disappearance of a small suitcase, and the fact that her hat and coat were gone, all pointed unmistakably to the assumption that the girl had fled. "'Well,' Mrs. Adams reported, "'she's lit out, bag and baggage.' "'Gone!' exclaimed Trask in dismay. Well, she isn't in her room. Her trunk is locked and strapped, and her suitcase is missing. Her hat and coat's gone, too, so you can make your own guess. But Maurice Trask didn't stay there to make his guess. He went back home as fast as he could and told Fleming Stone the news. Run away, has she? said Stone. I rather looked for that. "'You did, and took no steps to prevent it? "'You're a nice detective, you are.' 
"'Well, if you're so smart, where'd she go?' "'Where's Lockwood?' was Stone's laconic response. "'Lockwood!' exclaimed Trask. "'Wherever he is, he hasn't run off with Anita Austin. "'If he has, by Jove, I'll break every bone in his body.' "'You'll have to catch him first, smiled the detective. "'I'll catch him. I'll set you to do it. "'And looky here, if she's gone off with that man, "'you can go ahead and catch her, catch them both, "'and then go ahead and prove her guilty.' "'Is she?' "'Is she? You bet she is, and I know it.' "'How do you know?' "'I'll tell you. I know her eyebrows.' "'So do I know her eyebrows, but they don't tell me she's a murderer.' "'Well, they tell me that. It's this way. Her eyebrows are not only heavy and dark, but they almost meet over the bridge of her nose.' "'Darling knows,' put in Fibsy, who was interested in Anita, but not in Trask's deductions. "'Does your knowledge of physiognomy tell you that those meeting eyebrows are a sign of a criminal?' asked Stone. "'Nothing of that sort. But they are the Truesdell brows.' "'The Truesdell brows?' Stone raised his own. "'Sounds like a proprietary article.' not artificial, are they? Now, see here, Mr. Stone, I'm in no mood to be guide. Those eyebrows are frequently seen in the Truesdell family. My grandfather's brother married a Truesdell. Your grandfather's brother married a Truesdell, and your own grandfather didn't? No, I haven't those brows. "'Well, you're not entitled to them, having no Truesdell blood in your veins.' "'But that girl has.' "'Indeed. Interesting, is it not?' "'Ah, come off that line of talk, F.S.' said Fisby, knitting his brows, which were not Truesdellian. "'I'm seeing a chink of light. The brother of your grandfather now, Mr. Trask, he was named—' Waring, of course. Henry Waring. My grandfather was James Waring. And this Henry Waring, he was the father of Dr. John Waring? As Fisby said this, Stone sat upright and gazed hard at Trask. Yes, John Waring's father was Henry, and my grandfather was Henry's brother, James. That's how I'm related. And being the only one, that's why I'm the heir here. But don't you see, Dr. Waring's mother was a Truesdell. And Miss Austin is a relative of hers, a connection of the Truesdell family, somehow, exclaimed the now excited Fibsy. And she found out about it, and came here, and... Yes, Trask said and tried to get some money from John Waring on the ground of relationship. What relation could she be? Maybe a niece of Dr. Waring, or a cousin. Maybe the same relation to Dr. Waring's mother that I am to his father. Then that would explain his giving her money and the pin, 
and maybe she burnt the will, and then she... But it complicates everything, said Stone, who was thinking quickly. However, if Miss Austin is connected with the Truesdell family, it gives us a way to look to learn her history. We'll learn it, said Trask abruptly. I'm not afraid of losing my inheritance, for I'm in the direct-wearing line, and she can't be. End of chapter 17